Warning! The podcast you're about to hear is very filthy. We say naughty words you would use as an adult anyway. It will cause you not to eat your vegetables, and your mom generally thinks it's a bad idea. Any moment of the show that has any similarity to the history of any person living or dead, real or fictional, to real events are entirely unintentional and coincidental. Unless we're specifically noted, otherwise in the cast and crew credits, all celebrity voices are impersonated, and new celebrity has endorsed any aspect of the show. of the Good, the Bad, and the Geeky. I'm Nick Nitro. And before we get into today's subject, um, I'd like to first apologize if the audio stops abruptly. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the fact that the fact that I'm waiting now to record this. I've waited an hour, so um, I'm going to get a phone call about some, uh, you know, normal, boring, real-life stuff. So uh, if you hear that, I apologize um, in advance. Yeah, because as you guys know, I don't really edit the show. So, anyway, before we get into the, the real topic of today's show, um, just give a shout out to our sponsors, utmnt.com. That's Ultimate Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You can go to utmnt.com, read the entire first issue, and read up to the current issue, and find out more information on uh, Ultimate Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You can also uh, get a 14-day trial from Audible, audibletrial.com forward slash goodbaggeeky with over 180,000 titles to choose, 180,000 titles to choose from. I mean, that, that's a big number, people. That's a lot of awesome audiobooks. So check it out, audibletrial.com forward slash goodbaggeeky. Our show is also sponsored by the It's All Been Done Radio Hour. You can go to uh, itsallbeendoneradiohour.com and check it out. We also have Pack Rat Comics, uh, which is where uh, It's All Been Done Radio Hour is hosted at. It's hosted there at Pack Rat every second Saturday of the month, starting at 7 p.m., which followed afterwards is GBG Live. So, matter of fact, this will go up the day before our show, hopefully. It'll hopefully go up before then, uh, which is, I believe, this, I think, is November the 12th of this year. Uh, sorry, my wedding date is the second Saturday of next, which I believe is the 13th or 14th. And I'm not going to lie, it messes with me when I try to tell people, hey, you should come see our show this weekend. It's November. Uh, but it's this Saturday uh, or tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this. And uh, unless you're way in the future, then it was the past. Ooh. If you miss it, though, don't worry. It's all been done, radiohour.com. But this episode in particular, there's a lot of stuff there for the people in the audience. So please check it out. And okay. Let's get to about what this episode is really about, and that is, uh, fiance and I had a date night for the first time in a long time. We've not, honestly not seen movies in theaters since I would say Jurassic World, like honestly, and that's a bummer for me. I'm not gonna lie. There are a lot of movies I wish I, I, I could have seen in theaters that I needed to see and wanted to see, and um, yeah. So, but we went and saw Peanuts. Uh, by Blue Sky Studios, uh, Blue Sky Animation Studios, and I gotta tell you guys, um, I wasn't excited going in. Um, I am not. I, I wouldn't say I'm the world's biggest Peanuts fan, um, but I really appreciate Schultz and I really appreciate his humor. And 
I really love what um, uh, Charles Schultz has done before. So what did I think of the movie? Well, long story short, I walked out absolutely loving it. And it appealed to me as a film goer. It appealed to my nostalgia. It honestly was like The Muppets, um, where it fed a little bit into my nostalgia, but for the most part, um, it really spoke true to the characters to me. Um, now, there are some glaring little things that, that you know, in retrospect, do bother me. Um, like, uh, and again, for the purpose of story, these are things that had to be cut down, but... I mean, some of these things were agreed upon by the Schultz estate, um, which to me is fascinating, but also a bit more of a relief. Um, I, I will say, like, for example, um, all the kids are in the same class. Like, I remember Peanut Sally didn't go to the same school as Charlie Brown and Peppermint Patty. And as a matter of fact, I really don't think, I don't remember all the kids being in class at the same, in the same class. Um, so that was something that was a little bit of a, like, oh, that sort of bothered me a bit. Uh but again, for the context of story, I, I get it, and um, it's it's something again at the end of the day very easily uh, forgettable, uh, forgivable, I should say. Um, the thing I think the most glaring change that really made the movie for me, and for those who who are about to cry foul on me, uh, I like you to say, uh, like I like to say to you, I should say. Um, to please shut the fuck up. And, and I, I mean that in a very nice way. And it's because you need to go back and rewatch some Peanuts. Uh, that was a lot of, rather rude, so I apologize. But I, I really do feel strongly about this, and the evidence is very overwhelming. Um, now, granted, the comic strip version of Snoopy uh, wasn't, I don't think, as cold as Schultz, I think, really intended him. But still, Charlie uh, Snoopy was a rather cold dog. They, he would placate us occasionally with happiness as a warm puppy, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, Schultz's outlook was very bleak and grim in some cases. And that's why Charlie Brown was always so winning, is that he, despite you know overwhelming odds, always continued to strive to, to do what he set out to do. Um, but Snoopy, on the other hand, was kind of a deterrent to that in some cases. But Charlie Brown never really knew it. You know what I mean? And, and I think that that is something that there's a part of me that is happy that they didn't do that, but it's also a little sad as well. Um, Snoopy in this is played off more like an average dog who just wants to hang out with Charlie Brown and friends. Um, and applies to Snoopy's little bit of a troublemaker aesthetic. Um which is, to me, always very, very funny. Um, but I, I think the biggest example of what I'm talking about, for those who are going, Nick, what are you talking about? Snoopy was all, always loved Charlie Brown. I, I know. No, he didn't. Um, now, granted, I know the television movies and specials are not considered canon by a lot of people, but, uh, but at the same time, Schultz uh, borrowed heavily from his own work, and Schultz wrote those himself. Um, with Bill, I think it's Bill Menendez uh, and uh, and that little group. So, but uh, you need to rewatch Snoopy Come Home, and and when you realize that the only reason why Snoopy comes home to Charlie Brown is not because he misses him, but because he has nowhere else to go, and you know if he, you know, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't, um, and that's really what what that ending is. So. 
like all the kids are suit and in kids of course like when I was watching that movie when I was younger I didn't really get that but um, Snoopy Come Home may be my favorite Charlie Brown's thing outside of the Christmas special um, you know I would say you have the Snoopy with the madcap energy of the Thanksgiving special where he cooks Thanksgiving for everybody and I, I think that is I think the the biggest difference is that you get a sense that Snoopy doesn't usually very happily help Charlie Brown with anything and this one it's it's his it, that's his best buddy you know it truly is like the dog is his best friend and and again that's one of the reasons why the movie works so well is because of that relationship Snoopy's still Snoopy but he's not mean to Charlie Brown I think that's the one big takeaway um, from it but you know, again watch Snoopy come home Snoopy returns back from Lila uh, because there's the joke, no dogs allowed, no dogs allowed, that whole thing. That was from Snoopy Come Home, uh, which, by the way, was written by the Sherman Brothers, uh, the whole thing was. But I'm getting off point. The point is is that Snoopy is kicked out uh, of moving back in with his original owner, Lila. And I think it's Lila or Leah, one of those two. And he... He has nowhere else to go, so he, him and Woodstock travel all the way back home to Charlie Brown, and the kids are like, Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown, Snoopy's home, and it's like, oh, and Charlie Brown's like, oh, Snoopy, you, you came back to me because you loved me and missed me, and he hugs Snoopy, and Snoopy just gives like a weird like, eh, okay, I'm here, I guess, and then it becomes like a, and then he sort of, I think, cheers up a little bit and gets carried off into the sunset. That was a really a like oh shit kind of moment for me. I mean, because I remember I watched that about ten years ago, and that just it broke my heart and blew my mind at the same time. You don't get that, Snoopy. And again, that's very that's very okay. Um, a lot of people, I think, um, it you know, if you can't get your uh, get your head out of your butt for a bit, I, I understand. Now again, I want to be clear, I. I probably, I'm not, like, I'm a Ninja Turtle fan, but I am a lot more critical of the Ninja Turtles than, say, you know, someone else who likes the Ninja Turtles. So, I, I feel like a Peanuts fan sh would enjoy this movie. If you enjoy the Peanuts, you would not shut this down or just, you know, cry foul. I, I really don't. Because, again, the movie works on such a great level. There is no villain, there is no foe, and that's so refreshing in an animated movie today. Like it literally is—is is the kids' own fears are their own worst enemy. It's the anxieties of that, and there's still some, you know, adult Schultz humor in there, which is, uh, for example, uh, and I say that as and not like Muppets adult humor, which was very evident in the original shows, but people for some reason seem to forget. I'm talking about like stuff where Charlie Brown. If he's a nervous that, what if I get paired up with this girl, and like, how would I support her? How can I afford a house and escrow? What do I do? That's the kind of hum adult humor I'm I'm referring to. And Schultz would would do that. And the kids themselves are already doing very unkid like things on what they say and talk about sometimes. So that's the kind of vibe I'm I'm talking about. Because um, Schultz was never. He was demeaning to his characters, but just because that's how life is. He he let life Brown beat them a little bit. Um, well, really Charlie Brown, but uh, he never he never talked. He never had the kids talk down to each other unless it was Charlie Brown, and he didn't talk. Him personally did not write 
uh, talking down to his characters in that way. And I don't feel the movie has done that either. Um, I feel that the movie is actually very, like, there are tons and tons of beautiful uh, homages uh, to to the original stuff by Schultz. And some of my favorite moments are the scenes where Charlie Brown, um, besides the, the Red Baron scenes, which there are three or four major set pieces. Um, and by the way, uh, this is why, again, I, I really appreciate that. Bill Menendez, uh, if I'm saying his name right, was the original voice of Snoopy in Woodstock. And they probably have tons and tons of audio of him doing that voice. He passed away a few years ago. But they have him. They use stock uh, uh, audio footage of him. And it is phenomenal to have him So Snoopy Snoopy. You know what I mean? That is such a refreshing thing because... Like, look, I like to mimic voices, as you guys may or may not know on the show, and I sometimes do a good job, sometimes I do not, but either way, brother, you know, there you start to, I'm a little bit of a voice chaser in that way, so I know how a voice, I, I can try to orchestrate the voice and who it originates to, and one of those voices, it's up there to me with Donald Duck. You know, Donald Duck is a bit of a breathing thing. Oh, boy, but you know, it's a breathing thing on how you do your uvula in the back of your throat. but And it's hard for me to do. Um, and again, Donald Duck is nowhere near even decent uh, you know, or, or passable in, in any way whatsoever. But um, I, I consider myself a fan of, of voice artists and how they work and everything like that. Snoopy is a very unique voice, at least in my opinion. It's really hard to get that... Like it's a it's a really hard thing to get, um, and I I've always tried to do Snoopy because to me Snoopy is because I'm kind of sort of talk on stools about some saying so it's so wonderful to have you know the original voice of Snoopy and Woodstock back and um, the movie is padded by the Snoopy uh, Red Baron scenes but you know they're absolutely beautiful and honestly I feel like they tie in to the story better than one may think. On the outside, it looks like it is just pure padding, 100% padding. I'm not saying that they aren't a little padding, but um, <coughs> they, they do feel like they feed into the actual story in a really wonderful way. And uh, I, I'm not going to lie, I, I, got, I teared up a few times. Um, and I really teared up at the end. Um, and, and I will say this is a little bit... Um, like, there is a bit of a... a they, they give Charlie Brown a little bit of a happy ending, but not really. Um, I, I, was th I was a little bummed by that at first, but I, after thinking about it, the, the, the realities of the situation uh, uh, are that he, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but the whole movie is about, and I apologize as well, I'm recording this very late. Uh, the story is really about Charlie. The, the little red-haired girl moves in next door, and he doesn't know what to say to her, and he's nervous, and he likes her. He's smitten with her. And let's just say that she does talk to him at the end, but she's going away for for summer camp, so you know he can't hang out with her during the summer. That's a that's a bit of a bummer. Um, I think people don't underestimate the power of long-distance relationships or friendships in some cases. So, uh, especially when you're a little kid like that. So. You know, I look at it as a bit of a, oh, and, you know, but the thing, and, and of course she summarizes, uh, the little, the curly little red-haired girl summarizes beautifully, beautifully 
well, I think we all love Charlie Brown and one of the redeeming qualities of Charlie Brown. And I, I don't want to get into it because I feel like I could tear up. But um, it, it's just it's just really touching. And I will say, too, that any other time that the movie got a little touching, and again, this is where I'll say, even though I'm a little bothered by the fact that Snoopy was a little was not as cold as he liked, some of my favorite moments and the most touching moments are the moments where it's Snoopy and Charlie Brown. Um, you know, Charlie Brown tries to impress the little red-haired girl and something backfires and uh, horribly. And he, he walks away. Um, and Snoopy's... It's just him and Snoopy walking away. Charlie, and Charlie Brown with his head down. Trying, and it's, it's, and it broke my heart, people. It broke my heart because, you know... I, I played Charlie Brown, too, in, in the 8th grade. Uh, in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Um, so I'm very aware of all the different little nods that the musical even does. And there are nods to the musical itself, which is, of course, a nod to the to the comic. In the movie, there's nods to the Christmas special. Um, they they really pay loving tribute to the Peanuts in such a wonderful, wonderful way. Um, you know, I, I just... I am so surprised about how wonderful the movie is. And it's such a lovely movie. I really suggest that you guys go out there and see it. It is phenomenal. I am just so happy and so proud that this movie was made the way it was made. Honestly, I was expecting a lot worse. I was expecting something much more cynical and much worse. Because look, here's that's the thing about Peanuts, right? Um, is that the Peanuts can seem cynical, but it really wasn't. That's a very hard fucking thing to do. You know what I mean? It's a hard... Uh, uh, tightrope to walk and these guys did it and I was having a conversation with someone offline the other day um, talking about Paul Feig he is one of the producers of the film and uh, I really shit on Feig a lot, really hard because I think his intentions are pure but it comes off wrong what I mean by that is he is very vocal about women uh, being the stars I agree with that 100% it's just that when you it feels like you're doing things just to have women do them um it feels or like w with properties he paul feig for those who don't know is also doing ghostbusters he's the director of bridesmaids um he i think i don't i don't remember if he directed the heat or not but i think for sure he did produce it um and he also did sp he produced spy with melissa mccarthy um give us characters that we really love and that we can fully support without make without hurting the the actress. I, I feel like Melissa McCarthy is a good example of this, and I think this is why I was really hard on Paul Feig, um, which was uh, he's done a lot of work recently with Melissa McCarthy, but she's sort of playing up the fat character stereotype, who must triumph over you know she's a spy, but she's fat, uh, but she's a spy. But and people discount her because she's fat. But you know what? She's a good spy. And and you know it's like Jesus Christ. O okay, Melissa McCarthy. I feel deserves more than that. Um, like look, Bridesmaids was funny. Um, it's it was the it was the female version of The Hangover, and that's awesome. But you know, in the same respect as how awesome Ghostbusters was, there was only so many times you can see Bill Murray play the the Peter Venkman character. Um, and that goodwill goes only so far. 
Um, and I, in I guess with Melissa McCarthy for me being someone who is overweight, I, I I'm a little bit more personal to that, and I it, I just it, that bothers me a little bit. Um, and I feel that Feig is kind of catching in on that. Um, does it or it feels that way? It doesn't mean he actually is. I feel truly at the end of the day he has good intentions and he's trying to do good, and he's doing projects that really matter to him. Um, but I feel like. For example, the female Ghostbusters, it feels, and I, we've talked about this in the podcast before, I don't want to lay it on too thick, but I feel like it, it's a um, it's a cash grab. You know? I, and that bothers me a little bit. Like, honestly, I would like, I, I sort of, I have this feeling that the, the Venkman character will be played by Kristen Wiig. Um, which that to me is actually interesting. I wouldn't think of her in that role, so I'm actually intrigued by that. But I have an idea that Melissa Carthy will kind of be the Ray character. Um, none of the characters are the exact characters from the original, but you know, in my opinion, they're going to be the trope or the variation of of that character uh, from the original movie. And so I have this feeling that you know, and Ray was sort of like the schlubby but very smart, overweight guy who was really into everything. And um, I don't want I don't want Melissa McCarthy to be that. And and I'm really proud that he's using Melissa McCarthy, but I, I don't like how he's using her. And I, I just feel like, you know, I don't know. There's something a little, I think that part of it bothers me about Paul Feig. Um, I went on a rant about Paul Feig. Point is, is that someone, this person brought that up and we were talking about that. And, and she goes, well, do you know that, uh, that Peanuts is produced by Paul Feig? And my heart sunk because the more I saw the movie at that point, before I saw the movie officially last night, was um, was starting to get a little bit more warmed up, though cautious. Um, I'm not gonna lie, my fiance was a little bit more optimistic than I was, and that was. But again, that our level wasn't very high, um, and then uh, and that bummed me out a bit. But I, you know, he did a good job as producer, and uh, you know, it made me really want to uh, try to have a little bit more openness when we approach projects by Paul Feig um, that he has his hand into. Uh, and I'm also happy the news broke too that even though the movie is a modest success, even though it's, and especially considering it's going up against Spectre 007, uh, I will also throw out there and say that they're not talking about a sequel. Uh, the Schultz estate has the rights to the sequel, and they didn't. They only didn't. They didn't release it to Fox or Blue Sky or anybody for that matter. That's amazing, and that's awesome, and that's the kind of work and dedication we need from the people who lord over the estate of Charles Schultz. And I'll also throw this out there, too. Uh, I think Because I don't know if I fully articulate it. My, my favorite scenes, besides the Red Baron, are the scenes where they animate Charles Schultz's uh, drawings, where they draw in Charles Schultz's style. Um, and the final shot of the movie, uh, I, I'm getting teared up talking about it, so I apologize. But um, for someone who creates something and who has drawn things before... You know, if I, if I, I, grant eighth grade nothing or dribble for kids will probably never reach that. But if, if the end of that, if, if, of the dribble for kids movie or the eighth grade nothing movie, if they would have, um, CGI or whatever faded out and it slowly became a drawing of one of my drawings using my really crappy artwork and at the bottom it signed it by, you know, by me, um, like Schultz just drew it, uh, you know, I, that just it, me it meant something a lot more for someone who respected the man, respected his art, respected the craft. Um, so, I, you know, 
Oh, so good. I, I really, again, I really am so touched by that movie in so many ways. And it, and it just wasn't for nostalgia purposes. I think it paid loving respect to the man and his work. And it was also something very unique and new for fans of the old and hopefully new fans as well. So, all right, everybody. Enough of me, you know, just gabbing it up here about peanuts. What were your thoughts? Uh, go to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash GBG podcast. Let us know your thoughts there. Or email us at goodbadgeeky at gmail.com or tweet me at goodbadgeeky. And uh, if you like our show, subscribe, uh, download past episodes at uh, keyword in, in iTunes, Good Bad Geeky, or uh, subscribe to our feed on our website, gbgpodcast.com. Thanks for listening to everybody, and we'll see you. Uh, hopefully, it'll be the live episode for our next episode, GBG Live, episode 271. Stay tuned. Something. This is a happy place. What the fuck am I supposed to say? <laughs> what the song is that?